Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ryan Gills, Gilbert, right here in the GPC studios the morning after the Kansas State basketball victory. A much-needed victory as K-State beat the Frogs. Doing that a lot lately, just saying. Um, 82-61. It wasn't nearly that big of a blowout, but K-State did the old uh, big run at the end to make it look ugly. They hit the nitro button. Yes, they actually, that's a good, good description. They hit the nitro button and was a 15-0 run that uh, Zach Carlson peed through. <laughs> That's, yeah. Why, why are there only two individual bathrooms on the media level? I, I don't know, uh, but Zach had nature called him, and he <laughs> thought he'd just <laughs> sneak it in there between. The K-State called that timeout. Right. It was a good move it was on your part. 30 seconds away from a media timeout. Right. It was a good move. It was such a great move, and then they go on 11-0 run. And he got caught in a line. I, I did I, get the big three at the end, so that's that's all that mattered. Is that a reference to the basketball game or going to the bathroom? Because I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I have no idea what that reference Just means. Just call me Marquise. Okay. Um, yeah, I like to sneak out, like, you know, right before the under 12 timeout. Just get get down there and, you know, be waiting, watch from the tunnel, and then, then strike like a peeing cobra. Mm-hmm. There was none of that. Okay. But anyhow, uh, we're all here. We're all going to talk about K-State sports, and this is how it works. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's right up the road for me right now, from all of us. It's right up there. We could walk there if we wanted to, but why walk to your liquor store when you can drive? That's right. That's, it's kind of like the Bob Huggins quote, you know, why settle for second when first is available? Well, my car is available. Damn it, there's no reason to walk anywhere. The Fridge Wholesale Liquor right here on Claflin Avenue at Westport. There we go. Did I get that right? Yeah. Wow, Claflin, damn. Westport. That is correct. Oh, oh. Right across from the uh, Taco Tico. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I was so close. So you know, what's close. funny is there was a time where there were two separate taco restaurants and you got neither of them. Correct. I know. Yeah. Was there a Taco Tico in Manhattan ever? Mm, that was the not final in, one. Not in my lifetime. Yeah, taco what? Tico. It was a. It was. There's like still Taco Ticos around. The pre-Taco Bell Taco Place in Central Kansas. It's like a Taco John's. I think. Yeah. Is probably the Taco Villa. You guys know. I Taco grew up Villa? eating a lot of Taco Tico in 
Salina. The hard streets of Salina. Yeah. Yep. That was the Mexican. Johnson kitchen, County people understand Taco Villa. Taco Villa. You know what Villa stands for? What what it means in Spanish? Uh Taco Villas. I, I was hoping you would answer yes, but you didn't. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank you. I'm not going to explain it then. Hey, um, also, make sure you pet a dog today. I'm just going to say that. Okay, guys? Done. You Done? want me to drive home and, and go pet Tanner? Tanner's with you right no, now? No, like, oh. like drive home to KC. Yeah. No, you can. All the way for, for Tanner. You can pet dude. Dogs just okay. to prove your life. Dude would love that. Daphne, no. Yeah. Zach gets to pet Daphne, but only when Zach's sitting down. A Daphne whisperer. Mm-hmm. It's very rare times. It's very specific scenarios. Our subscribers at Wabash Station ask the questions. We answer them for all to hear on this wonderful, glorious, magnificent, apparently oversold podcast. Well, I, I don't know if it's going to be magnificent. It might just be an average podcast. It's going to be magnificent. Well, we didn't get a question about attendance, so I will bring that up before we get started. We didn't what, get one? No. What did you think of the attendance? I was night? a little surprised it was as small as it was. And uh, I think it's obvious that an 8 p.m. midweek game is a challenge. I mean, I talked to someone from Manhattan who's like, I'm going to get out of here after 10 p.m. And, I, you know, i got to work tomorrow. They just had to drive home across town, not for, to Topeka or Salina or anywhere further than that. It, it's, a, it's not good. Well, I think it's hilarious that 6 p.m. games are also on a Tuesday. People complain about those, too. Well, the, And then it, if it's a 7 o'clock game, you're complaining that it's on ESPN+. Plus. So right. the, what do you all want? All valid. What do you want? Uh, all Saturday games. Just doubleheaders. I think it's Saturday. easier to for, for most people to leave work early than get home at 1130 at night and then wake up the next day and go. Like I, right, I think right. it's a lot easier for people to be like, all right, I'm just going to tell my boss. I'm going to leave an hour and a half early, leave an hour early, and get to the game. I know my dad came down. He's retired, though, so that doesn't count. But like, I wasn't disappointed with necessarily the, the attendance as, as much as I was a little surprised um, considering the student sections we've seen. Um, it just kind of felt like some of the students were like, yeah, I don't really, really want to go tonight. Like, they've lost two in a row. Like, I think there's a lot of casual students. I think the fans showed out and it was loud, and the people that were there were the ones that to help K State went on that run. But it was kind of just like the casual students that were like, yeah, it's not that's not that important. I, I there weren't at, any KU points on the right to be had. Right. I peeked at uh, available tickets before the game just to see what was out there, and, and they were scattered, but there was, you know. There was tickets available, but they listed attendance at, what, 8,500? Yeah, I don't know. So 2,500 below capacity, and I'm telling you this right now, those tickets weren't available. There were not that many tickets available. So that is the students not showing Mm -hmm. out, which is shocking. They haven't done that yet, and maybe after the effort they saw from the team on Saturday, they decided, okay, if you're not going to put in the effort, why am I? I don't know if it's that deep, or maybe they just had a bunch of tests on campus, or there was dollar uh, drink night somewhere in Eggerville. Not on a Tuesday. Damn, there should be. As a journalism student, I don't know what an exam is. Like, I've never taken one of those, but, I mean, come on, guys. Like, two hours out of your night, I don't care if you have a test the next day, plan around the game. Like, if you want to go for, or, or not show up for different reasons, that's fine, but people were telling me they were, you know, this is a big exam week. I just... It's a Sorry. top 15 matchup. Yeah, I don't get that. And, and I'll say this, too. 
we've seen a lot of football players and other athletes come to the games and because they sit in that section right next to us. But now that they've kind of started to um, – they started their off-season workouts at 5 a.m. or whenever they go. I saw like probably three football players there and I think that's a large contribution. Like that's probably 20 or 30 guys that come to the game and that might not seem like a lot. But in that little section where we are, that's probably four or five rows worth of people um, and – you add in women's basketball, all these other sports. That doesn't seem like a lot, but I think it, it, it does add up. I know that doesn't talk about the section that's completely behind us. We sit in section 25. But, yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised. But, again, the students who show up are loud. And it was a noticeable home court advantage last night. Like the people that were there were loud, and it helped K-State go on that run. I don't want to take anything away from the people that were there. Mark crappy car out at kansas state was capacity for tcu it was higher than capacity i think, I think tcu yeah, I think seven yeah is it down to seven mm-hmm. That's pathetic. so the the empty sections were behind us right yeah are we sure fitz didn't just like pass gas and look you can come to the games i now sit on the aisle across from what is either a student section with football players and basketball players women's basketball players the men's players are busy anyhow um and uh, unattended children get to sit there, which is not wise on the parents' part at all. I could be handing them beers. You don't know. You're un- they're unattended. You know, people are just out there. Uh, but I just want you to know, students, that if if you come to the game and you sit in the section next to the uh, media, uh, you're not allowed to touch me. What was that? My computer just woke up on its own for no reason. Huh. Um, yeah, don't don't touch me. You weirdos. Touch any of my Except stuff, I'll kill you. Except for Gills. Gills. Gills touches me a lot. Anyhow, that sounded worse. <laughs> to sound. Uh, but I, I'm not that worried about it. I'm really not. It's just part of the K-State experience. But, Zach, you mentioned if you start too early, people complain. You start too late, people complain. If you're on ESPN+, Plus, people complain. And those are three different subsets. I don't think there's many people that fit into all three of those groups. And if they are, what a miserable life you are leading. I would be willing to bet there's more than not. Hmm. Because the fans that show up are not the ones complaining about any of those things. Very true. Very true. That was a good question that we didn't get. Thanks a lot, Danger Cat. (laughs) (laughs) Snip. Onward we go with the rest of your... Questions from Wabash Station. Uh, the first question of the first half comes from Cardio Cat seventy eight. This is a Cole Cole Carmody. It's Cole fifty two because uh, he's fifty two years old. Quick. Yes. As observant as Coach Tang is, how do you think he evaluates and game plans around Noel's continued turnover issues? Oh, I'm. They're confident. They're trying to cut it down. I mean, but uh, first of all. I like Marquise a lot. He's grown on me tremendously. I think he's a good leader, but I think he stinking lied in the postgame that he didn't know about the record. I think he's been playing like he's known about the record for a few games and has been forcing it a little bit. But I think we can agree he's defenses have acclimated to him, and now he needs to adjust to the defenses. And I think I, my daily delivery is about Keontae, but he's somewhat – the same. He's over-penetrating, getting himself into situations he can't get out of. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Are you allergic to the truth? Is that what's happened there? Yeah, pretty much. You don't get emotional. <laughs> Sorry, it's, just so, it's so great to see Marquise you know, break that record. But 
you know, Tang has mentioned in the past how he had to learn Noel and <clears throat> Noel had to learn had to learn Tang, right? And so both of these, you know, two parties are are learning a lot about each other as the season goes on. And so it's it's not just Noel. Like he's not the only guy that's been turning it over, right? This whole team, you know, fifteen turnovers on Tuesday. They they win by what, twenty one points and and had a really good win, but you know, there's still a lot of room to grow and get better. K State did not play perfectly and so Noel is is obviously continuing to get better, and I know Tang's mentioned in the past the vitamin supplement that you know <laughs> he's allowing. I don't I don't think I fully understood that reference, but you know just allowing a, a few turnovers a game is okay because you know when you make that pass or you take that shot, you know there's a high risk high reward there. But I think K State we kind of saw it last night playing small ball and not forcing things was really really good for them, and they played relaxed. They were cool, and and obviously when you're leading throughout a majority of the game, it's easier to do that. And when your opponent doesn't go on those big runs, you can you can play more relaxed. And, and K State did a great job on Tuesday of that. I'd be curious to see what I don't think I don't even know if you can look this up as a stat. To be completely honest, but I would be very very interested in seeing the statistics on how many times a turnover has happened after Marquise Noel has passed the ball and it's hit um, one of his teammates in the hands. Right, like how many times has a turnover come after he's passed the ball and it's hit one of his big guy's hands, but the big guy doesn't catch it, the ball's loose on the ground and you know, the opposing team gets it. I don't think it would be a majority of them, but I think it'd be a good enough number for those turnovers not to look as bad. Now, is there plenty of times when Marquise, you know, will will go into the paint and the defense will just collapse on him and he kind of doesn't have anywhere to turn to? Yeah, that's happened before, but I, I don't think it's all on Marquise. And, you know, when the team is struggling to shoot the ball from distance as it has at certain points throughout the conference play, I think Marquise sometimes th- thinks he has to go and get a bucket, you know, or go and drive so the defense does collapse on him so they'll have an open shot as opposed to just, you know, kicking the ball out to Cam Carter and, and having him go try and score. So I, I don't think it's all just completely on him. And I think we saw that um, playing small ball, as you said, Ryan, like having Desi Sills in the game with Marquise at the same time and allowing Marquise to play off the ball at some points I think is important. Uh, I think we'll see that more going forward. And I think if there's anybody who can figure it out, it's his coaching staff because when you have a good player like Marquise and you have a really good coaching staff, things tend to work out. Yep, I agree. Entering Tuesday's game, Noel had back-to-back games with a, a negative assist-to-turnover ratio. And so while he had he had seven assists last night, he had six turnovers, I believe. And so mm-hmm. there's still a lot of room to, to grow and get better despite the, the win, the points, the record that he set, all that stuff. There's still room to get better. I mean – the team only had 15 turnovers, which is a low number for them lately. But Noel had six and Keontae Johnson had six. They had 12 of the 15 turnovers. Those guys have to get this under control because while they're the best players on the team, they're also doing the most to hurt the team at times because they're <clears throat> overpenetrating, getting themselves into situations where they don't have anything to do with the ball. They can't really shoot it. They can't pass it. They get trapped. They get people knocking it away. Maybe they're getting fouled, but they're not getting called. So that you can't just blame the refs. You've got to adjust to how the game's called. And if you're getting hacked and it's not called, quit getting hacked. Quit getting yourself in that position. So they're going to have to un- unravel this. And um, I, I liked what I saw. They tried some different things against TCU. Tyke Green was fantastic. 
Um, I, I think we've all come to realize Naquan Tomlin has topped out. Someone mentioned on the board he seems to be playing injured. I think he's just exhausted. Uh, he's never been through anything like this. Um, and teams get physical with him and he can't respond. I, I think it was a good move. It was a good move. Go ahead and ask that question next, Skills. Number three. You, you want mean, me to ask it? Or, Cole. Sorry, Cole. Sorry, my bad. my bad. My bad. I forgot You're that fired. Cole is asking this. Uh, the next question comes from Swamper56. Uh, could the slip in performance over the last few games be attributed to some of the new players, especially Keontae, not being ready for the physical and mental grind of a full Big 12 season of play? Could be. Could be. I mean, it, it just isn't the same in the SEC night in and night out. But um, I, I think Keontae's had it easy enough in some games. Now he just wants to dribble in and, and score at the rim. And teams are doing a great job of collapsing down on him, getting him trapped. And as big and strong as he is, when he turns his shoulders now, it makes it pretty clear the Big 12's refs is going to char- call him with charging. I mean, I think two of his three fouls are pretty questionable. The hook one was weird. No, I haven't seen that called all year. No, I don't know if you have either. Well, I mean, I understand why he called the hook, but there was no advantage gained by the hook. Right, in right. fact, you could make an argument that the player, despite the hook, shoved Keontae out of bounds. The whole, that was weird. That was a weird call. Was, the whole game was weird. Has Keontae not earned that right? We've seen Jalen Wilson at KU. We've seen these other guys, Ochai Abaji at KU last year. You know, you think back to even some of the guys at Baylor. Um, they've earned the right to get the benefit of the doubt when it comes to the official when they're on offense. But that on respect, defense, I believe, comes from the head coach, right? And Tang, yeah, well, he, Tang's been awesome. I, I think as a first-year head coach, you still got to earn that from your Higgy Bears and the Doug Sermons of the did world. Did you say Higgy Bear? I did. I did. <laughs> I like that. Huh. I'm going to run that by him. I'm just, I'll be, I'll just, I, I think that his performance, I mean, people know who Keontae Johnson is. Every referee comes to Manhattan, even if they've never had a K-State game, they know who Keontae Johnson is. And right. I feel like he's earned that right. And maybe maybe you're right, Ryan. Maybe Tang is it's on the coaching staff to go up to the officials before the game and say, hey, this is what he's going to do. Be prepared that when he goes to the rack, just because the guy falls on his butt doesn't mean that he leaned into him. Keontae is just a grown man playing a, a young child's game. I think that's just the perception of his moves, though. It looks like he leads with that arm and penetrates in, and then the guy falls over and... I mean, what is the ref going to do other than call a charge? Wow. So I think right or wrong, I, it's just the way that it looks. Right. He plays bully ball. He plays bully ball. Right. Well, and he's he's overplaying it right now. And I, I really want to see him get into the lane, attract some defense, and rise up and shoot that 10-footer. And Because if he misses, the defenders are all flowing to him. There's going to be a, a rebound available. So – um, I think he just needs to edit his game slightly. I, I'm brought up in the daily delivery, my comparisons to him and Mitch Richmond, but that was one of the things Mitch did so well. I'm going to get into the lane. You want to come help? I'm just going to rise up and shoot it over you because Keontae can do that. He's got this weird, like, low load point for his shot, which makes it sometimes difficult to get off a three-pointer. But if you watch where he releases the ball, it's almost impossible to block at times if he elevates. And when he does get a shot block, he's not elevating. He tries to jump at weird angles. He, there's That's what I find intriguing about him is there's so much that he can refine about his game and get better. If I'm an NBA team, I'm like, this guy's got – this isn't his upside. He's still got an upside. The ceiling's still way above where he's playing. 
And damn it, he shot two three-pointers and made them both. He needs to shoot more. He needs to shoot the three-pointer more. Make that defense come out to him. Make sure that they're being honest because I think they're just counting on him driving. And why not? Because he only shot two three-pointers. It's identical to to Marquise Noel in the turnover situation, right? He drives to the lane, and more often than not, it doesn't result good, right? Keontae Johnson's been driving, and... Charges have been called, right? So draw the defense to you, you know, get that double team and then dish it out for somebody open. And then, you know, like you said, Fitz in the DD, you know, take those open three-pointers. And that's something that I think in the NBA, Johnson's super athletic. He can defend all that stuff, get into the rim. If he can create a consistent three-point shot, he'll be a a first-round pick easily. How many threes in an ideal game would you guys like Keontae Johnson to take? Five? Yeah, four or five. Yeah, and if he makes if he if he goes two of five every single game, take that. And, and because that just opens up his driving part, right? If you know he's going to shoot a three pointer, guy's going to come closing out hard, and then he can go and, and go get to the rack, and then you know kick for another open three or go up for a layup. So yeah, I, I hope he starts to shoot the three more because he does have one of the prettiest shots on the team. That's for sure. Noel and Johnson can can do whatever they want, though. But Tyke Green on Tuesday, huge. You know, Desi Sills had good energy off the bench. Kansas State needs that third score to step up. It doesn't have to be the same guy every night, but somebody has got to do that. And Tyke Green, it was his night on Tuesday. And we'll see on Saturday moving forward who else that guy can be. Because yeah. like we said, Naquan Tomlin coming into this you know Big 12 play, we thought it was him, and it's clearly not. Yeah, it's not. And this has got to impact the two players' minutes significantly going forward. I asked Taiki if the ga- after the game what gets his game going. He said dunks, and I wanted to say, no, you're completely wrong. <laughs> it's, it's defense. Because mm-hmm. if you watched him in this game, he was uncomfortable for a while out there. He was looking, how do I fit in? And then he decided, well, I'm just going to defend the hell out of my guy. And everything on the K-State defensive end picked up. Naquan's defense has been as troubling as his lack of offense lately. I mean, he's let given up the baseline drive. Guys just getting to the rim. Um, and Tyke takes that away. So big and strong. You think Keontae Johnson's <laughs> wide. Oh, my God. Tyke's shoulders. I'm like, how do you do you even own a sport coat that comes close to fitting you? I thought he looked like a linebacker. Then I realized he looked like a defensive end. His shoulders. I've never, it's amazing. Uh, and... That gets him going, then being more active on offense and rebounding. He closed out so many possessions with rebounds. If he wants to play anywhere near that level, they can't take him off the court very much mm-hmm. because he changed everything in this game. Desi Sills had a great game doing the things that Desi does, and Coach Tang's right. When he goes downhill, uh, you know, sometimes he'll decide I'm a jump shooter and hit a couple three pointers, but his game is all about getting to the rim. And shooting the ball at weird angles that defenses can't stop. And he's so effective. And I'd like to note that I was thinking that maybe defenses had adjusted and taken away the little slip pass on the inside that led to so many dunks early in the game, early in the season. No, it's there. Tyke got it last night. Tyke was making himself available to the rim. Gasson made himself available to the rim. Those were all things that Naquan Tomlin was doing in the past, and, and that's disappeared. So um, when we go to uh, Lubbock on Saturday, I'll be really interested, Zach, to see how much Tyke plays. 
Um, because he he didn't just steal minutes from Naquan, he stole them from the other big guys too. Ish as well. Yeah, Ish yep. Ish's minutes were down. Bebe's minutes were down a little bit. If he wants to play like that, and I'm talking defensively and rebounding, you can't take him off the court. I, I just can't. I thought coming into the season, he had one of the higher potentials of the transfer guys, and I think we saw that. Yeah, I mean, I'd just have to go back and look, but I did like a starting five piece before the season started. I think I had Tyke Green too. in it. So. Me too. Yeah, he be, looks it would it would be interesting to revisit that and right? see. How well you did, or yeah, uh, and what you said, mm-hmm. but with with Naquan, like Ish Masood's defense and Naquan Tomlin's defense are very poor. But at this point in the season, Ish Masood gives K State's offense a much higher ceiling with him, you know, shooting the three ball. And so, I'm not, I don't think I'm crazy to say I'd rather have Ish Masood starting over Naquan. But what I would do is maybe experiment with Desi Sills going in there and taking out Naquan. Obviously, you get smaller. Sills has been great off the bench with his energy, you know, coming in a few minutes after tip off. But, you know, Naquan Tomlin, if this does continue, I would not be opposed to seeing him come off the bench. And that is a scary guy coming off the bench, by the way. No team is going to want to have to deal. If he can come in and give you 15 minutes of solid energy, and it doesn't even have to be that good. But if he can give you 15 minutes of solid energy, that could be his role the rest of the season, which I I think it'd be intriguing, um, to say the least. Uh, the next question comes from Momo Cat. What are your thoughts on Keontae's constant foul troubles? Are the refs calling charges too easily? It seems like if he doesn't get it figured out, it could be a problem in the tournament. Uh, it's a problem because here's the bottom line. Whether you think you fouled or not, if the refs are calling that foul, guess what? It's a foul. It's a foul. I thought two of the three calls were bad. But this is happening in every game. He's clearly not getting the respect that other players do in this conference, as Ryan Gilbert mentioned earlier. You you have to adjust to that. At some point, even if they're crappy calls, they're calls, and you need to adjust to it. And he's not. Now, I understand Jerome Tang's frustration. It seems like he's getting a lot of ticky-tack crap called on him. Um. You asked him last night about Keontae, and he just shut his eyes for like a second when you ask about the calls. <laughs> I know. Um, and, but at the end of the day, you have to adjust your game to fit to what's happening in the game. And I, I feel like they're, they need to push back with the officiating, but stop doing the crap that's getting you into foul trouble early in games. The refs are obviously like, well, we're going to call a lot of, uh, you know, bodies around the basket, a lot of charges here early in the game to set a tone. Then don't do it at the start of the game. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm frustrated with the whole situation, but I think actually this will work to Kansas State's advantage because the NCAA tournament, they tend to let them play a little bit mm-hmm. more. And I think a guy like Keontae, if he can acclimate his game to what it is now, could really thrive in the tournament. I'm going to say something, Fitz, so get your pen ready. You're going to have to bleep this out, oh, but I boy. think it's perfect. I had a coach one day or one time when we would have football going on and, and all of that, and, and he would make a mistake, and he would consistently say, why do you always slam your pecker in a car door? I'm not bleeping that out because that's a good – you shouldn't do that. That's okay. Good, well, you don't have good to. Good euphem. It's true. But like, that's what he's doing, right? It's consistently happening over and over again. At some point, you have to make the decision to change. 
If you're a K-State fan, you better hope that soon. I would change after one time of doing it. Well, yeah, you'd I'd think. Probably not have my pecker out around a car door. Just <laughs> saying. Plus, it'd have to be really, like, I don't even know how my, never, any matter. I was thinking of logistics here. I don't want to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a segue into the next question? Yeah, let's do it. Get out of here. Yeah, okay. Get, abort, abort, abort. All right. Abort the car door. Yeah. The... <laughs> Not a Jeep now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no doors. Uh, the last question of the first half comes from Calm Manhattan Waters. By the airing of this podcast, K-State is likely a game out of first and also a game away from having to play on day one of the Big 12 tournament. It's crazy. Wow, that is insane. Uh, how big is securing that first round by? Oh, it's it's huge. I mean, it, I, it's amazing now that Oklahoma State's kind of joined the upper division party. Now there's seven that one of these teams will be playing on the first day. It's crazy. It's it's insane. But Kansas State also has a very manageable schedule. Lubbock and Oklahoma are the next two games. Those, I believe those are 9 and 10 in the standings. Yes. Yep. Yep. Not easy games by any measure, but by Big 12 measurements, that is more manageable. You still have to go to West Virginia and Oklahoma State. I mean, those are your four lowest teams in the conference standing still, and that's your road games. You couldn't ask for much more. With road games, you can't, looking at the standings. Yeah, literally. You, so they've got a great opportunity here. They just need to play at a higher level and go into these games just like they did against Texas and Baylor. You know what? We're damn good, and we're coming here to win because I don't think they've had quite that attitude in recent road games. I saw that. I saw that yesterday, though. I kind of saw that that confidence especially at the end of the game they started to play with that swagger like oh yeah like this is us so see if they had that i think is it fair to say that k-state wins three out of those four road games and then wins what they only drop one home game the rest of the season got what oklahoma iowa state who am i forgetting Baylor. Baylor. baylor so those are the three home games left and iowa state's not the same at home no. or on the road oklahoma uh, Guys, they can really, really finish strong if they want. Even if they lose two more games, you're still going to have that bye, and you're still going to be I just, in, I just, in consideration for the title. I just don't see how K-State could possibly play on Wednesday at this point. This I season. agree. There's no way. If they would literally State does keep winning, though, there are seven teams and six They would get. literally have to roll the wheel off. Like they would literally have to lose. It'd be a collapse. Four or five games It'd for them collapse. to be the seven or eight seed. We'll see. I don't think this is that bad of a question, though. If Oklahoma State keeps winning, well, until TCU gets Mike Miles back, they're going to continue to float towards the bottom. Sure, that might yeah. be that team, which would not be good for any team. Oh my God! But Miles will be back very soon. Yeah. Can so. you imagine being um, what would be the the, the two, two seed? Two seed? And have to play TCU in the second round? <laughs> what? But Tang mentioned how with the health, a healthy Lampkin and if Miles is out there, that's he said that may be the best team in the Big Twelve. Oh, or did right. he say the country or the Big Twelve? I he said they could 12. win. The, he did say they could. He thought okay. they could win six games in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. So that would be that the would best. Be, uh, Math playing game. Yeah, that'd be losing the national championship after you played in Dayton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I just think that K-State's positioned to go on a run. Like, you got that win against TCU. If you're K-State, you're feeling a lot better. 
Um, God, you needed that. You uh, didn't just need yeah, the win. You needed the way to win. Stop bleeding. Right? Yeah. That you, you put your foot down and, and blew them out at the end. If you go take care of business against Texas Tech, which won't be easy, but you should win that game. Like that is a game. If you are K-State, you should win. And then they get to go and play Oklahoma, another game like we've already talked about. Then they come back home against Iowa State. If you somehow beat Iowa State and you haven't lost, and what would that be? Almost two weeks? I guess it'd be two weeks going into their next. Four at that yeah. point. I mean, you're right back into consideration for the Big 12 title, and you might be in first place by that time. You just might be in first place. Yeah, I think Texas is the best team, hands down, in my opinion, right now. But mm-hmm. the Longhorns are going to lose at least one more game. Mm-hmm. You know, the Big 12 is just that tough. Yeah, I agree. That's it? That's it. Oh, wow. That was it for the first half of the PowerCat Podcast, sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you're subscribing to this podcast at whatever podcast network you use. If it's Apple, Amazon, Zach Carlson's personal Twitter. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't know if that's actually how you can subscribe to the podcast. But anyhow, you get what I'm saying. Maybe you're just a Google person. Maybe you use Podbean. You're one of the three people that use that. It's cool. I'm sure Podbean is great. Sounds like something be all coffee podcast to me. But what do I know? Just make sure you're subscribing to the podcast so it comes to your inbox every time we do a podcast, which, granted, is like once a week right now with throwing in the drive and and the Friday shoot around. I guess it's more than one podcast. It's quite a few podcasts. I think we're going to go to break now because the host is babbling and isn't really doing a good job explaining anything. But this is the break. This is when I stop talking and we put a commercial right here. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the PowerCat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. I'm glad you found us. Uh, apparently, we're unfindable at times. Um, but make sure you're actually subscribing to the feed. If you're just waiting on us to tweet it out or post it, you're really missing out on life because I got news for you. The daily deliveries in the and and the podcast are part of our scheduled content at Go PowerCat. We fill different time slots with our content to keep you coming back. Like content. Sound like Zach. Content. Like a drug addict coming back for more three, four times a day. That's what we want. But they go up at YouTube and the podcast providers before that because that's how it works. Speaking of working, we're going to get back to work here. We're sponsored by the Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Make sure you stop in every time. And I know some of you, a lot of you are from out of town, and you're like, I don't need to stop at a Manhattan liquor store. Just do it. Wrong. It is a whole different experience. It's like uh, if you're an old like me, it's like if they had a Blockbuster video, but all alcohol and no membership cards. 
you can just go in there and and uh, and get you some booze like it's Die Hard on VHS. Now, do you guys know what VHS is? No, that's the one where you have to like uh, you have to like put it in your car and it has like seven tracks on it, right? That's exactly right. That's a seven track. That was uh, <laughs> that was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so get into the fridge. At least stop by there, and if if you're supporting this podcast, go ahead and stop in and say, "Hey, I listen to the Powercat podcast," and they'll go, "Oh, double your prices." Anyhow, here's a question from Wabash Station. Mr. Ryan Gills Gilbert is taking over with his smooth tones mm. from. Pickles. Pickles. How much say should or will Colin Klein and or Van Malone get in the hiring of the next wide receivers coach? I imagine Chris Kleiman's very inclusive on getting input from coaches. I imagine if Buddy Wyatt had a suggestion, he would talk to him. I mean, I, I just can't imagine Chris Kleiman, nope, I'm the boss. This is what I'm doing. That's that's the way it is around here. But, guys, that's not the way most workplaces are. For what it's worth, I have a feeling Colin Klein might have the most say. I mean, this is that this is going to be a coach that he's going to work with at all hours of the day and probably one of his top advisors. So I, I would think that it would probably go Klein in A and then Klein 1A or 2A or whatever. Yeah, 2A. Sorry, Zach. You're looking at me like I'm an idiot. I, <laughs> but Klein in 1A, Klein 2A. I just think that if there's somebody that – am I doing this? Am I saying it wrong? I just think – it's funny you're putting A's yeah, on, it's just on numbers. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the A's The bottom line is Colin Klein is going to have a say in this hiring. Well, that you can say he's my, 2A and Van Malone is 2B if that's what you're trying to do. I don't think – That would make sense. I don't know if Van Malone will have that much input. I, it, just because he's on the defensive side of the ball, I get he's the associate head coach. But I would think – it would be Klein and Kleiman working together to find the next receivers coach. That would just be my assumption. X's and O's, I don't think Malone's going to have any impact, but just who this person is yeah. going to be as a person, how they're going to fit in culturally. Van knows Malone's a lot of in. people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I, again, they're going to hire someone good. They're going to hire someone that fits all of the many needs they have within the building, within the program, um, and uh, – Hopefully they'll they'll hire someone that's a little more interested in being here than somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I, I found that really thr- frustrating. You won a damn Big Twelve title and you're out the door. And you go back to where you were with the program that. That's, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Starting from scratch. See ya. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. I I don't know what that means. I don't. The good Lord didn't. Sp- oh. Mm. Ryan, could you read another question? From Cat in KC. Does, does he have a place? Never mind. <sighs> Fitz. Just kidding. I love you. Whatever. With the search in process to replace Coach Ward, how where's, much of an option? Where's my drink? Where's my drink? You want an Nancy? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I thought we were. Oh, you want a Mandarin? We're in, wrong, we're in your house, Fitz. Oh, we're God. in your house. I was having Fitz. a Taco Lucha Saturday night flashback. Go ahead. Citron, double water, splash of mist. Thank you. You're welcome. Captain Casey wants to know, so with the search and process to replace Coach Ward, how much of an option is it to move Brian Anderson to wide receivers coach and hire a running backs coach? I like this a lot. Deuce Vaughn was kind of a wideout, wasn't he? (laughs) It makes a lot of sense because Coach Anderson has the history, um, and you weren't going to get him to move when Deuce Vaughn was playing. So maybe it is a good time to do it. Maybe that is something they'll consider. But also, you've had success with your running back, and I think we can all agree Deuce Vaughn got better under 
the leadership of Brian Anderson. So do you really move him? But if someone pops up that's a really good running backs coach, says, I want to be at Kansas State, that's where I want to be, I think they would certainly consider this. He coached wide receivers at Minnesota from 2014 to 2016, and then he was at Illinois State where he coached wide receivers as well. So he's coached wide receivers a lot. He played wide receiver in college at Western Illinois. So, I mean, I, I don't think this would be a, a bad decision. And, and quite honestly, we've seen with the running back room, there's been a lot of turnover there. And a lot of that has to do with Deuce Vaughn, yes. But a lot of it has to do with Deuce Vaughn being the only one that really sees the field. You could have made the argument that DJ Giddens should have got on the field a lot more this season than he did. There was a, a not a, a major willingness to kind of rotate in that second guy when Deuce was here. And I get it, right? He was very, very accountable. He, he never got hurt. He, I don't think he didn't miss a game at all in his career and so they definitely relied on him a lot and so I understand the line of thinking where where BA and 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 the rest of the offensive coaching staff came from but I think now that you have more of a traditional running back situation that Kleiman had at North Dakota State with Treshawn Ward and DJ Giddens I think that you're not going to be able to just say okay Treshawn Ward you're the lead back. DJ Giddens, you're the lead back. You're going to have to rotate more. And so, you know, if if BA wants to to make that decision to where, okay, we can, I want to stay here and coach running backs and get everybody in the room involved, then yeah. But if he wants to maybe go more in line of, I want to stick with the guys that I know that we're going to play the best guys, kind of like what Thad Ward did, what Colin Klein has talked about. The three best receivers are going to play. If he wants to really focus in on getting those guys that play a lot, that those guys that play a lot better, then maybe he he should go coach wide receivers. I think that that's an option that you can do, and you can go hire another running backs coach. Um, but at the end of the day, guys, like running backs, receivers, offensive line, quarterbacks. If you can coach football, you can coach football. They're going to go out and they're going to get the best football right. coach they can and put him wherever he fits in. Right. That excludes me. I won't be coaching. Me too. Okay. From all three putt, is there any update on Coach Kleiman and his staff's new salaries and extensions? There is stuff going on behind the scenes. I think they're going to probably just announce it all. I know some guys have received raises. I would imagine that will eventually come out. Um, but they're not going to rush it out there either. I think they need to get everything settled in, and probably who they have to hire for this position will impact other adjustments to salary. I mean, if yeah. if you decide, well, it's time to go get a big time receivers coach, and it's going to cost us, you know, nine hundred thousand dollars a year, which I don't think they do, but that that does impact your budget. I'd be curious to know how much Thad Ward made at Kansas State compared to what he's making at Illinois, because. If he's making anywhere close to the same amount of money, you would have to think that something was going on behind the scenes that he, maybe he just didn't really like being here. Like that to me, that's the only logical explanation. Or unless again, maybe he just wanted to coach running backs. Like maybe that's what he wanted to do. That's what he's doing at Illinois now. But I just the money situation is going to be about the same for this position, and it's probably the same at Illinois. I, I'm still confused. I know that's not really what the question is, but. If he's the only assistant coach that you lose, it's not because of money, right? I mean, they're not losing guys anymore because of money. I think Scotty Hazelton, that situation. <laughs> bless you, Mr. Wow, Gilbert. me. Wow. I feel Sorry, like, I'm allergic to having money. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm curious what you guys think about that, though. I mean, like, assistant coaches, K-State's taking care of their assistant coaches. 
So him leaving is not because uh, they didn't have the opportunity to take care of well, him, right? I think Illinois probably pays more. I think that I would think that Illinois pays more. Just but the Big Ten perception, I guess, currently, especially the the up in revenue that they're going to expect here in the next few years. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Big Ten schools paid more overall, even if they're equal or lesser schools in K State. I I'll, think it's just the reality. I, I feel like if he was someone that they were determined to hang on to, they would have. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like this dude wanted to be at Illinois, and maybe he wanted to coach running backs. We'll see you later. I, I just, if you don't want to be here, get the hell out. That's you know, I, I I'm I'm fine. You know, you did a good job. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed your free taco lucha when you came on your interview. Uh, we'll see you later. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed your drink. <laughs> yeah. That I might have spit in since uh, you left. Oh, that's not right. Gracious. You didn't. Do oh, that. you would never. You... I would never, unless it's Fitz when he tells I me to. It. When he tells me to, I do it. For what it's worth, I'm kind of looking at this right now. Uh, that award is making $300,000 at K State. Um, now, this article is old, uh, but Lovey Smith, when he was at Illinois, it would have been seven years ago. So I'm sure that it's gone up quite a bit. But the uh, the running backs coach then at the time was Thad Ward, and he was making two hundred fifteen thousand dollars. So yeah, it we, can't have gone up that much more. It, it, I bet it's maybe close to three hundred thousand. I bet he got a raise. He definitely got a raise. Yes, he's not making two hundred fifteen thousand dollars there this year. But that's the other thing. It's like if if he says, "Hey, I've got four hundred thousand from Illinois. Would you match that or bump it up?" And at a certain point, it's no. Go take the money because you're not worth that to us. Right. And we can go find someone equal to your production for what we're paying you or less. Mm-hmm. So I I don't think that losing it was a big deal. And I don't think that it had anything to do with salary. And I think that K-State knows exactly what they are and who their guys are that they want to keep. Like Connor Riley, he can ask for what he wants and get it. I think there's very few guys on this staff that are like that, though. And there's a lot of guys on this staff, probably like the Buddy Wyatts, the Mike Tuiasasopos, you know, those types of guys, they know their role. They know mm-hmm. what their market value is, and a lot of them are probably getting the most market value at K-State. And they probably can't ask for much more than what they're getting now. But somebody like Connor Riley, someone like Colin Klein, Joe Klanderman, those guys can make bank, and I think that K State's willing to pay those types of guys that they don't want to lose. For what it's worth, Connor Riley's at four hundred twenty-five thousand. Um, I think he's probably one that's getting a raise. I'm mm-hmm. confident he's gone up. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. We just don't know what the number is, but I'm confident it's risen, as it should be. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, in fact, I would give him associate offense or assistant offense coordinator title. I'd title him up. Just get get even more money. This is important. This is. Now that they're through the main building and funding of the new projects, doing this is vital to K-State athletic success in both men's basketball and football. Take care of your people. Take care of your people. I don't do that. But, yeah, I see why it'd be good. And your dogs. And the dogs are more important than any. You know what I'm saying. Yes. Okay. And and I really don't like Ryan Gilbert. <laughs> I think I'm going to go cover KU sports unless I get a raise from Fitz. Okay. All right. Well. 
But nice knowing you. Tra- trading you for Swain. And Gilbert Can you hear that? a lot. Let me, let me hit up my buddy at M underscore Vernon real quick. Okay, I heard he's hiring, yeah. Yeah, he's hiring. It's it's imminent. You you work for him and we'll be happy. You are the new Scoopmeister. <laughs> Scoopmeister I can't junior. be affiliated with a school that has empty seats Oh my on God. a Tuesday night game at 8. Oh, how about a Saturday football game? Oh. Uh, yeah, I thought you were talking about Saturday football <laughs> games. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we wrap it up with this one? Let's do it. From old school? Okay, let's wrap. Will the Big 12 stay with a nine-game conference schedule in football when they land on 12 teams? Yeah. It puts everyone at a competitive and financial disadvantage against conference opponents with eight games. It gives everyone less controllable games and less home games overall. No, 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 no. It. <clears throat> everyone's going to end up at nine games. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the SEC's. You can't have a 16-team conference to play eight games. Why even have the conference? Everyone's going to end up at nine. And I mean, I, I think I honestly think it should be a requirement for if you want to be considered Power Five to play nine conference games. And I also think part of the equation for inclusion in the playoff would be the number of Power Five or Power Five equivalent teams you play in a year. Because it indicates a seriousness in scheduling. <clears throat> Granted, there are, there are a lot of teams. I would m- maybe make the argument that Troy is better than Missouri, but you scheduled an SEC team, and there's some credit to be awarded there. Ten Power Five games. Right. You should be there. Credit to the Cincinnati's, and uh, maybe it's not Cincinnati. I, was, I think they're M's for Miami of Ohio, not Maryland. Mm-hmm. But uh, West Virginia, West Virginia typically certainly. does. They usually play 11. 11. Yeah, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'll take the other side of this argument. Go. The college football playoff is expanding, and conference champions will have auto bids to the college football playoff. The SEC, if they're going to get an auto bid and multiple other bids at you know at large, if they're going to stay at an eight-team schedule, why should you play a nine-game schedule? If the SEC is not punished, I get that I their strength of schedule is great. The SEC is tough. They're the best conference in college football. I will say that. But if they play eight games and you can make it to the college football playoff playing eight conference games, why not? It's not. It's really not that big of a deal if the SEC is playing eight and you decide to match them. I agree in a sense. But I also think that, say, this expanded playoff happen or it is happening, but if there's a, a nine and three team, Versus a ten and two team, and that ten and two team is from the SEC, and both of their losses have came in conference play to teams that are probably pretty good, but they have not picked up a signature win. So, like the best example I could think of this is like an Ole Miss, for example. Ole Miss every year seems to beat the teams they should beat, and they lose to the teams that they should lose to. In a hypothetical, hypothetically speaking, world, if there is a team like K State um, who was nine and three. And they played nine Big 12 conference games compared to the 10 and 2 Ole Miss's eight conference games. And they had a win over a team that is in the, in the, in the expanded playoff. Why would you not take that K State team over a team like Ole Miss, who you're never going to know? Like they didn't, have a, they didn't have a big win. They beat the teams they were supposed to win, they beat the teams they were supposed to. They lost to the teams that they're supposed to lose to. But that K State team has showed that they can compete with teams that are actually in. 
the field of 12. So why would you not put a 9-3 and three team in that deserves to be in over a 10-2 and two team in that didn't do anything? Well, because they're going to take the 10-2 and two team because of math, and it doesn't matter what the schedule. It doesn't matter how many conference games they played for the SEC. It does not matter. They've proven time and time again. It does not matter. Until it matters, play eight conference games. When you go to 12, just play eight. It works out playing nine with 10. So you have 10 schools playing nine. It's the perfect way to do it. It's the best way. But when you have 12, and if the SEC is still going to insist on playing eight, just play eight. So you think the eye test matters? Well, I got to say this. I think ESPN will correct this. The, the amount of money ESPN's playing for exclusive rights to the SEC, they can't afford an empty November weekend where – you know, eight of the games are right. just trash opponents. This is something that if ESPN had any shred of dignity or honesty, they would be doing this because they wouldn't let any other conference do it. And now they're fully invested into the SEC product. You can't have a lost weekend in July when Alabama's playing Austin P. I mean, it's just atrocious. It should be embarrassing. They should be embarrassed. That's how they schedule. But they're shameless. They think they're the SEC and can do whatever they want. You know who can do whatever they want? Georgia and Alabama. Everybody else? The rest of you ain't that great. You're just not. I mean, you want to continue to schedule that way. And, you know, even Georgia doesn't do that. They put Georgia Tech in that slot. So, it, you know, it, it's kind of funny that all these other – Programs that think they're so great just because they're in the SEC when in reality they're no better than programs anywhere else in the country. But they tag along and say, oh, with the SEC, we get to play Tennessee Martin this weekend. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. So you don't think that it, – They're cowards. Do you That's think what it is. the eye test of a team, if Big 12 does, as we think they will play nine conference games and the SEC stays with eight, if they do that and the NCAA doesn't have any gumption, the ESPN doesn't have any gumption, they've yet to show them that they have, and they don't make them do nine, do you think no. that there's more of an eye test? The eye test does not matter. Doesn't matter. With more teams, even, even though nope. the field is expanded? Because that's kind of the feeling that I get. Well, here, no. Here's the problem that nobody's discussing. If you're the SEC and you have this enormous budget, you can play Tennessee Martin for a million dollars. But Kansas State... Or BYU, you can't come even close to that. They don't want to schedule a fourth non-conference game. That's a buy game. That is true. That that gets financially challenging for you. I'm sure you'll probably get another home game, but look, the, the, the way the schedule's set up, if you're wise like Kansas State is, you're going to get seven home games. That's really all you need. You, I mean, you don't want eight home games. At, at some point, that becomes a financial burden for your fan base because – Either you're going to lose money not by not charging more for the eighth game, or you are going to charge more, and fans are like, why are ticket prices up? Well, there's an extra game. I don't care. So it it, it just doesn't make sense to me why you wouldn't be playing nine games. It just in your conference, it works out well. I know it gives you the 5-4 split. I mean, at one point, I wasn't opposed to everyone having a non-conference rivalry at a neutral site, but I don't think that really works now with the new – who would BYU play at a neutral site? Baylor. They're going to play in uh, in Vegas. Vegas. It's, hey. it's so. It's, Can we go to the wood though? It's so on brand. Sin City. <clears throat> I, I don't. I don't understand how BYU got so closely tied to Vegas. It's like me being closely tied to Gills. <laughs> to Gills. I, 
doesn't make sense. Why would I slum like that? Go ahead. No. That's well, it. Fitz, you mentioned like West Virginia. If there is a fourth non-conference game added, West Virginia is going to go to some Southern Illinois or something like right. that. And if Kansas State, all these other schools, they're going to add probably a Power 5 team. You would probably expect you know most teams to do that, right? Am I, am I wrong in saying that? No, you're exactly and so wrong. So even if you take I, I this away, see... you're you're going to have the same amount of Power Five games, right? Well, who's K State going to schedule in the Power Five additionally? That I mean, Mizzou that'll want to play them. Yeah. So am I wrong? Yeah, I don't think they'll be able to find okay. a Power Five yeah. game. Okay, well then never mind. I I just don't see what schools are going to say. Yeah, we want to go to Manhattan, Kansas. I mean, it's not a recruiting ground. It's just not. Sure. It's not an easy win. It's impossible to recruit to Manhattan. We all know that. I know. I know. I don't know how you can even function. I mean, you'd have to do home and homes. I mean, you'd basically be playing two power fives a year and just alternating. Right. Kind of like what you do now, mm-hmm. but your road game, you'd have a home game. Let's not year. even get into the mess if the Big 12 actually expands and adds Pac-12 schools that Kansas State has a lot of these Pac-12 schools on future schedules, Arizona and Colorado, most notably being Washington State's on there too. But Is UNLV on there? No, it needs to be. Nobody two, thinks of us. Two skills. lanes on there. We're going to two lanes next year. I know. It's not next year, is it? It's the year 24. after. No, well, yeah, well, that, that's, that's not next year to me yet. It's still, what season are we on right now? 2023. Team Zach. My brain hurts. <laughs> I'm just going to say this to end this on a really uh, weird note. If I die before I get to cover the game at Tulane, I'm I'm gonna if K State wins a national basketball title and they go to Tulane and then UNLV gets added to the Big Twelve, I'm coming back and haunting every one of you mother I'm just gonna be a I'm gonna be a pain in the ass from beyond. We should just end this podcast with the Undertaker dong. With the what? The Undertaker dong. Undertaker the what is what? Why, you know, why do you know make what that sound. like? Make the sound. Dong. Oh, oh, the sound. <laughs> Come on. We're going to leave now. It's a good idea. Yeah. I'm still thinking about the Undertaker's dong. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Power Cat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Let's go! It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.